0: What's up? What's up, bitches? Welcome back to Positively Uncensored, your favorite reality TV and interview podcast. It's your host, Leah, and we have a lot to get into today. There's been a lot of television happening, and I'm trying to stay on top of it. I'm trying my absolute best, but it's looking like the best way for me to do this with all the shows Bachelorette, Love Island, Real Housewives of New York, and just any other random show that I've found myself watching. I think I'm going to start to do a more general recap without going too deep in um, and just kind of generally talk about the last few episodes. So I think that'll be easier for me, less pressure, easier to enjoy the shows as I'm watching them, and just kind of get into the main points. So let's start off by just touching base. I feel like life has been lifing this week. And my friend Bree told me that we, shout out Bree, um, black girl can't cook on Instagram. She was telling me about how we're in the Aquarius moon right now. And I'm an Aquarius sun. So I thought that the Aquarius moon would bring about great things for me. And instead, life has just been Lifing. It's felt like, um, you know, a good week because I got to celebrate my boyfriend, Christian, and you know, he's a Leo, Leo season, but it's just felt like a heavy week. Um, I don't know if anybody else can relate to that, but if you can, just know that I'm right there with you. And getting into this new week, I am just putting my best foot forward and letting go of all of the anxieties of last week and leaning into a better week, and hoping to send some of that energy your way. You know, if I can do it, you can do it too. If you've been feeling life hitting extra hard, just know that every day is a new opportunity for us to put our best foot forward, envision the best things happening to us, seeing our blessings, um, you know, and just trying to be present in the moment. So that's my touch base. Let's get into Real Housewives of New York. So there's been two episodes since I've talked about the show because I recapped episode one. And the overall theme of Real Housewives of New York that I'm sensing is we're seeing a lot of like materialism and judgment in the women. Um, And I still like the cast, so let's be fair. I think that they... They did a decent job in casting. I think that all of the women are interesting in their own ways. So I'm enjoying that aspect of it. But it's interesting to see these situations unfold and watch their reactions to it. Whether it's... Um, you know, Jessel disclosing that her and her husband haven't had sex with each other in a year since she's delivered, or whether it's Jenna disclosing that she would like to keep her current partner private due to all of the trauma that she had occur to her at the New York Post and, um, you know, just sort of being humiliated for her sexuality before, um in the sense that there was no privacy. Like, as soon as she was on a date, it was put everywhere. Um, And she wants to take control of her own life, and I don't blame her. So, you know, judgment on wanting to keep her partner private because everybody else chooses to disclose um, their husbands. And then, you know, just general judgment towards Jenna's outfits. Like, the women seem to be coming down really hard on... How Jenna presents herself and I don't know if in the present moment during filming that they're not realizing the ignorance but it's certainly ignorant and certainly insensitive. I think that with Jenna's sexuality I think that she explains it well when she says that as her sexuality changes and has changed, so has her fashion sense. So to encourage any woman, though, regardless of sexuality, to encourage any person to dress differently than how they're already choosing to present themselves and implying that they would look better another way is... A very disheartening thing to say to somebody, um, especially if they're coming into their confidence. So I don't enjoy seeing that aspect. I did really, really enjoy seeing more about Bryn and Cy this last episode. I relate to the fact that they didn't grow up having, you know, an abundance of wealth, and that has motivated them to create a life for themselves where they have money, um, you know, and they have the things that they wanted as children for perhaps their own children. And Brynn's not married or anything yet, but maybe her future children. So I, I like that relatability aspect. I'm not sure how I feel about Aaron. Aaron's just a little intense for me. Like, I don't know what her sign is, but she's coming across a little bit like a Taurus or something, but, um, she's just a little intense with how offended she gets by everything. Um, and you know, sometimes I'm on her side where she's like, yeah, I'm not offended by Jenna because I like her more than I like Brynn valid. Like I, 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 I side with her sometimes and then other times I don't. Like, I don't understand being offended over someone initially for leaving your house. Um, I think that she's very, like, high strung. Like, if she's not getting something right away or getting her point across. Um, But, you know, there's moments where I like her where she comes across just really real. Even the fact that she wanted to eat at a restaurant that the other girls deemed, like, low class or somewhere they wouldn't be caught dead at. I like that she's just down to earth and, like, eating is eating. Like, what are you guys making such a fuss about this for? Like, let's just go eat. So I appreciate that, like, down-to-earth side of Erin. Like I said, she's just a little intense for me. Not sure how I feel about her. I like Uba. I like how she doesn't want to eat caviar and is just willing to go to the store and get a sandwich because, same, I would do the exact same thing. Regardless of etiquette, we all reach a certain age in our lives where we – Not even just certain age. We all have the right to just want what we want. And as, as you get older you just can articulate that even further. Like there's just certain things that you don't want to do once you hit a certain age, whether it's spend the night out from your house or have a certain number of drinks or eat foods that you don't actually enjoy or go to a certain workout class. And you know, that's why I like Uba and Jenna because I see two women who don't let people pleasing and like what everybody else in the room is doing dictate their actions. So I, I resonate with that myself. I like that. I think as women we should always speak up for our empowerment, speak up for what we want. There's never a second that you should sit in discomfort. I mean, sure, there is a part of growth in discomfort, but I I'm not choosing to be uncomfortable for any of my friends. Like my friends love me, so therefore they accept who I am. So I like seeing that part, even though I know that it'll probably cause more and more conflict um, as the season goes on because that boundary setting is clearly taken as like an offense towards the other women, which is clear that some people need boundary work issues because boundaries are not about... And Jenna is a good boundary setter. Like her boundaries don't really impact anyone else. She's not saying that they can't stay up late, listen to music. She's not saying that they can't even go in her closet. She just, um, she wants to go to bed early, so she's going to leave. Like she she is a good boundary setter. So when I hear the women talk about her and say that Jenna doesn't speak up for herself, I think she's just selective in not voicing every battle, but you can look at Jenna's face and tell when she has an issue. And I think a lot of times people mistake that as being passive, where I still think that Jenna has boundaries. I think that she voices when she's disappointed in a situation, but I think that she goes out of her way to try to not make um, a situation more uncomfortable than it has to be. And I think that Jenna tries to be polite. Now, maybe what the other housewives are trying to pull out is that, Uh, like not caring as much about others' feelings for television's sake and for the sake of them being entertaining and having moments together. But I respect Jenna. I like seeing the differences in personalities. Um, And as of right now, I'm liking this season. I don't think I have a favorite yet because it's so early on and we know so little about their personalities, but I'm wondering if it's going to continue to be so raw and genuine or if Jessel having having conversations about her sex life or if Jenna having conversations about how she wants to keep her partnership private um, and then receiving judgment for it. I'm wondering if it's enough to like not continue that path of vulnerability and, you know, ultimately get to where all the women just resent each other. I hope that they can continue opening up. I'm hoping that because this is a live show, um, that like by next season, they'll have seen the comments and be a little bit less judgmental to each other because we can be entertaining without being judgmental. Um, and I realize that I'm being judgmental about the show right now as I'm listening, but that's just my perception seeing it. There's just some things that I'm not going to relate to. I there's no way that I can relate to up upper class New York women, when that's not who I am. So a lot of things that they talk about, a lot of things that they have issues with, a lot of what the show is about. Will she eat caviar? Won't she? Will she eat the cheese board? Won't she? Should Jenna be wearing this? Would you go to this restaurant? It's it's conversations that I would never consider having because that's just not my life. I think this is a good transition point into the Kardashians because let's just talk about this season. I've been talking about it briefly on my Instagram, but this season of Kardashians felt to me like PR said, look, you guys need to be relatable. The we, the crowd has had enough of just the aerial shots and the obscene wealth. We need to see some sustenance that people can relate to or they're not going to watch. There's so many reality shows out there right now that have that rawness and relatability that people aren't as into this curated aesthetic, manufactured lifestyle. So I think that they tried their absolute darned best this season to do that. I mean, they gave us drama between Kim and Courtney. We got to see a little bit of stuff unfolding between Chloe and Tristan towards the end of the season. Um, We got to see Chris have a health struggle. But in every like element of... Relatability is a shine through of just, I cannot relate at all. An example is when Chris is having her health scares or just general anxiety that all of us face in our health, like health anxiety, Um, she does an MRI of her entire body and gets her system checked out and told that she's, uh, you know, 45 years old. As somebody who can't relate to having that level of wealth it's almost triggering to see on television the accessibility that wealthy people have to medicine because there's so many people who can't get an mri or a ct scan or even a surgery approved that is life changing and you know necessary for their quality of life yet you can do it just to affirm that as even though as much as you're drinking allegedly as much as you're taking these pills allegedly um you know you're still healthy because you do xyz for your body and can afford these treatments so I may sound like a hater but even just the simplest thing shown through I can't relate to this season I felt that way with the sister feud as well everybody can relate to sibling beef I think whoever ultimately pitched this idea Um, good try like you you were on the right track as far as we would like to hear something relatable however you lose us when somebody dies and they go to a funeral on a private jet you lose us when the feud for the sisters is about whether or not Kim can run the fashion show for Dolce and Gabbana because Courtney's wedding was inspired by most of the looks That Kim has picked for the fashion show. I mean these things that they're arguing about are just not relatable. Um, So like I said that's what this season feels like to me. I'm confused as to why Scott is back on the show. It feels remiss that we've heard Courtney express all of her frustrations with Scott. Um, and you know just really trying to come into her relationship with Travis and yet he's filming with her close family members I don't know if Scott like found some small print in his contract where he saw that he was supposed to still be getting residuals for these seasons of episodes or if he you know if they feel bad for Scott given his you know history that they have with his family all that he's gone through with his parents and the loss of his parents so I don't know if it's that I mean we see how they take care of men even after they leave them Tristan and Chloe Scott and the whole entire family Kanye and Kim although we've heard no peeps of Travis Scott in how long on any of these seasons So continuing with Kardashians, this last and final episode, I believe Kylie finally addressed her body. And she talked about the fact that she got breast implants done at 18 and she regrets them. She, you know, hopes for her daughter, that her daughter doesn't want to alter her body because she's perfect. And while I appreciate this conversation, like small, small props, because it's about time this conversation is had. Um, if it's going to spare young girls who are about to be 17, 18, and thought that Kylie achieved her looks without cosmetic surgery, and if it's going to help girls younger than that know that surgery is involved, then great. But because her body type and because what they created, this like stigma and this new um, and improved body, okay, that they promoted and basically just are appropriating from black women, it feels like maybe it could also just be giving props to surgery. Like it feels like this could just reinforce people who think that you should get surgery at a young age. She can say, you know, I hope that my daughter doesn't do this or I wouldn't have done this, but we don't see Kylie without clothes on. We haven't seen Kylie's like, as she called them, perfect breasts that she had before. Like, we see Kylie now, and Kylie's body has become nationally recognized as being attractive. Their entire family has become trendsetters, I'm putting this in air quotes, for what the new body looks like that women want to achieve and look like. They have modeled, you know, their own like weight classes workouts whatever off of this so I don't know how I feel about Kylie's admonish like do I it's great that she talked about it I hope that it helps younger girls the conversation needed to be have a lot sooner Um, it just feels a little bit performative for Kylie to address the impact her family has had on young girls body image of themselves Like, it's just too little too late, you know? Like, I appreciate it, but I don't know what that comment's going to do. You know, that's like, for girls who watch The Idol, I was discussing with a friend and saying, The Idol, if I was 16, 17, could be so dangerous for me because it doesn't matter that this show is toxic and terrible to watch when you're young and susceptible what you see is that jocelyn is lusted after by everybody in her life like everybody wants to be jocelyn she is the pop star everything fits jocelyn and you see her smoking cigarettes and whatever i can picture myself being young and regardless of the public health notices about smoking cigarettes i can picture myself wanting to look like jocelyn and smoke cigarettes and be thin and dance and be outside wearing skimpy nothing Thing. Like When you're young, it doesn't matter the public service announcements, hence va- vaping, and how big of a problem that is for Gen Z, um, and even some millennials as well. But it's especially bad for Gen Z. Your young mind isn't cognizant of all of the damage and how bad this is. You're just in the now, and I want to be hot right now. So that's my bit and my two cents on this season of Kardashians. Supposedly, the next season is already renewed. This kind of blows my mind just because it's surprising to me that ratings are high enough to renew another season on a network like Hulu. But nonetheless, I have a feeling that what they're trying to do, this is my PR mind thinking as I close on Kardashians, I think that what they're trying to do is make Kylie the next face of the family. Kim is, you know... Getting up there in age a little bit. So her relevancy and her relatability to the younger crowd of viewers is losing. However, Kylie and Kendall, everybody still pays attention to them that's young. So Kylie is going to start to be more incorporated in the show, I think. I think that they want her to repair. Her um, public image, and I think they want her to try to campaign very hard for body positivity and being upfront now about all of this cosmetic surgery she's had so that she can become like a better representation of a healthy role model for women, and I think they're going to try to run with that, make Kylie the head of the family, um, and just continue on this show. I have a feeling that although I'm tired of this family, we'll probably be seeing their, like Kylie's children, you know, on this show, Kim's children on this show, and with their own spinoff shows for years to come. It seems like it's, they're very ingrained in entertainment. Tell me what you all think. Tell me if you're tired of seeing about the Kardashians or if you feel like every episode, if you're a diehard Kardashian fan, tell me. Like if you feel like every season still hits hard um, and you still relate to them, let me know. Or do you still feel like, do you feel like you're watching because. You know, like that's the life you wish you could have, because that's why I used to watch. And then, like after I realized that I'm not gonna have that life, you get kind of tired of watching shows like that. So it wears on you. So for me, can't relate anymore. I feel that way a little bit about Real Housewives of New York, which is why I said I'm struggling with it. Um, so I'm not bitter. Those are just my feelings, and I'd love to know what everybody else thinks. Let's transition into Love Island. We've had. I think maybe three or four episodes. They air Thursday to Tuesday. So they air over the weekend. And I think there's like one day off that Love Island is not putting out new episodes. I skip The Secrets Revealed because I just don't care. I've always thought Love Island was an excessive show. But now that I'm committed and I'm watching the season... I'm just not watching The Secrets Revealed. It's too much. I don't do it for housewives either. Like if it's a really great season and I'm doing some dishes and in the background housework, sure, I'll I'll listen to The Secrets Revealed. But the reunion specials are pretty much it. That's my max. Um, Nonetheless, let's get into Love Island. So I'm going to try to be generous when I talk especially when I talk about other women because I know that I'm seeing a fraction of them on television I know that editors and producers have already picked a storyline for each of the reality castmates and that they are going to pick like film like a a uh what is it called Film A, film B, whatever. They're going to go to B-roll. They're going to pick film that they may not have picked up before to support a certain narrative. With that being said, Cassie is starting to wear on me, okay? Cassie, I, I really want to like her because on some sides, I do feel like she's a girl's girl. Like, her personality is such that I would want to be friends with Cassie. It's that Cassie's so young and I've been there before, so I can't even be annoyed with her. But she's so young that male validation is at the forefront. Like when you, even if you're a very beautiful girl, your confidence is sometimes rooted in validation and compliments from other people. If other people aren't complimenting you, then you can't see your own worth. I think for Cassie, having feelings so rejected from Leo early on, I think she's especially trying her hardest to like vie, and, you know, go around and just see how many people are feeling her, regardless of what their situation is. So we've seen Cassie be a little bit of a snake and talk with Keenan. So that was already shady. On top of that, she's kind of like messing with Bergie, kind of feeling Bergie, Kind of not. I get it. I'm a woman. I can't make up my mind either. But she's now also entertaining Leo. Like fast forward and it's like two moths in a flame. They are drawn back towards one another. And for Cassie, as I said before, because I can relate, Feeling rejected from Leo early on was a big hit to Cassie's ego. So the fact that Leo is now interested in her again, and especially because Leo's partnered up with Anna, and it would be like essentially picking Cassie over another girl, you just really feel chosen in that. So I know that Cassie is, you know, excited about the fact that Leo is back into her, Not seeing that another bombshell who comes in could easily sway Leo because it's more about, like, I can't have Cassie now. I want her. Not me and Cassie have this genuine connection. So, of course... Leo's changed his mind on Anna and now he wants Cassie and we see the two of them just be sneaky and kind of, not kind of, definitely go behind Anna's back and make out, have a conversation and Anna decides to have a conversation with Leo and let him know this isn't cool you should have been more respectful to me which sounds like a repeating theme like we have destiny telling marco to be respectful and then we have anna telling leo to be respectful um while it's early days i agree with them it's not hard for either party to just pull who you're partnered with and paired up with at the time aside and let them know how you're feeling and that you're going to go have another conversation just so you're not below them in the literal kitchen and hearing things. So Cassie's being shady. Anna's realizing she sees that Cassie is, you know, not really a girl's girl. And even though they thought that they were sort of friends, they're not. So Cassie and Leo at this current stage in the game are back to being with each other. I think that he's just two bombshells away from not being interested in Cassie. I think that the next time, you know, two girls come in, likely one of them is going to be someone that he's interested in. Going to Marco. Marco is still paired up with Hannah right now. He has started wearing a hat which makes me wonder if he's hearing comments online about how he's balding, which is because he's colorist and ignorant. So it's karma. Sorry, Marco. Like, that's just what's going to happen. But anyways, he started to wear a hat these last few episodes. And naturally, Marco is interested in somebody else already. Um, I don't know that Hannah has fully picked up on the fact that he is a very flirty person, and he really just wants to feel wanted by anyone. Going back, Marco in one of these games, I forget which episode, but if you're watching, you remember, he said that his cock and his teeth, his words, not mine, are his two favorite compliments about himself. Someone who says that, you already know that they're arrogant, okay? So this guy, arrogant, he's he's not going to... Really hold you down, like he's not going to be loyal to you. Like, he is just looking for more cons- compliments on his cock. I almost said cocklements, like, made up my own word. So, he's getting cocklements, <laughs> and you know, he's already interested in the new girl who comes into the villa. My bad for getting her name, but she's brand new this last episode. Um, super beautiful, bombshell, just his type, as he said before. He likes a girl that's tan, dark features. That's her, and she's feeling him. We find out that Marco is fucking Italian, and of course he is. Of course he's Italian. So he's Italian, perming his hair, lubing up in suntan lotion, and he wants someone who is, you know, basically just like a mirror of him. He wants someone that looks like him. Victor is gone. He's out of the villa. I'm glad that he's out of the villa, do I think that Bergie should be here still? No. Um, Bergie shouldn't be getting bullied. Like, it's sad to watch him being bullied on this show. However, and I'm just going to be honest for a second. Like, whoever casted him was wrong for that, okay? They, this show, He and if they were going to cast him, they needed to cast someone with them in mind to be his match. Because he just is the odd man out. And not even speaking about looks, just even dating experience. These are people who have dated around and explored their sexuality. And, you know, they want to get to know other people and see if they can find something after having done that. Bergy hasn't. He's barely dated. He hasn't cuddled with a girl prior to this experience. And that's not to shame him because that's fine. But I don't think it's comparable to where other people are at with their preparation for marriage or relationship or anything, Um, you know, and he ends up looking awkward and it's not even his fault because he does not have the experience of being with, you know, a bunch of different girls in that trial and error of shooting your shot and kissing a girl blatantly drunk and having it go bad or having it go good. So I feel bad for Berkey. Um I have to wonder if Carmen played us. Like, did Carmen play us? I want to believe Carmen, that she was really interested in Burgie. Like, she liked the fact that they seemed like they aligned with one another and that small town vibe. I really did kind of stand for them for a second however the quick tenacity and turnaround to you know kind of decide that Carmen is not feeling Berkey and it is platonic and just friends and how you know, sure, she shot him down, and I think every woman should be able to friend zone someone, but I just have to wonder if she played her cards right, because I don't blame her either way. Carmen, if you played your cards right, cards right just to stay in this villa, you're not wrong for that, and you picked the right fish to do it, because Bergie will believe you, you know what I mean, so... Whatever happened, happened, but Carmen is still in the villa, and, you know, someone comes in that it finally seems like she's actually aligning with. There wasn't really that vibe with Victor. Like, maybe one episode, I saw a glimmer of compatibility, and then he was just too intense for her. Um, And really no physical chemistry. Same with Bergie. Watching him make out with anyone is just awkward okay like he's just not like I said he hasn't made out with a ton of people it would be like when you're in middle school and you make out with your hand and someone watches you and they're like you did horrible you don't need to do all that like you just don't know yet and that's Bergie so Carmen shares a kiss with the new bombshell I don't know his name I think it starts with a K it's like Kaza or something he's a smoke show he looks like you know He's super hot. He looks like somebody that I would picture Carmen being attracted to. So he comes in. There's another guy that comes in, blonde hair, blue eyes. That's who I thought Carmen was going to go for because blondes just love to stick together. Like blondes love to mate together. It's like they notice each other. Um, So I expected her to be interested in him. I think his name was Leon. Um, I could be completely wrong on this. I haven't memorized their names because they're brand new. But Carmen's interested in one guy and, you know, it seems like Cassie is shooting her shot around seeing who she's interested in. The new girl says that she's interested in Marco and Harrison. And as you know, I'm currently standing Harrison and Destiny, except for Harrison has back knee, so he better not fucking try me like Harrison better not be disrespectful with that amount of back knee on his back. Producer zoomed in on that, like, just to do him dirty. And it's like, is he about to be rude and disrespectful? Because if so, that's why we just saw his back knee. It usually has a filter on it. So no shade. But if you're about to be shady, Harrison, you can't be hot from the front and ugly from the back, okay? It's a no. Women's appearances are judged harshly all the time. We can't even have cellulite without being judged. So the back knee... And being a dick put together in the same sentence isn't going to fly. I want to like Keenan because I like him and KK together. But there's just so many previews of Keenan, like, kind of switching sides and being wishy-washy. So I just want them to send in somebody who's exactly KK's type, like, someone she would dream of in her sleep. Like, I want them to send them in for her. I want them to send in another person for destiny because there needs to be backups for my favorite women in the in the house, just in case their main decides to fuck them over or be disrespectful. Um, Anna makes me cringe, but like sometimes she's so cringy that she's funny. Like when she's like, oh, shit, like she says she all the time, just like that. Um, so that makes me cringe Um, And she's just like a very odd girl. But she also seems like a real girl's girl. And I like that. I like that part about Anna. I'm not going to lie. I like that she tries to be a straight shooter. I I could probably get along with her, even though she adjusts her, her appearance like every five seconds. I can get along with Anna. I miss Jasmine. I wish Jasmine was still in the villa because I think that Jasmine was better than Cassie like I think Jasmine should have been kept over Cassie I think Jasmine could have had actual connections where I think Cassie is just like I said so young and so wanting that relationship that I just think Cassie is going to get taken advantage of and when you want At that age, when you want a guy really hard and they know that, it almost gives them the ick. And I don't know why, and I'm not saying all guys, but a lot of guys in their early 20s, when a girl is more aloof with them and less interested, they pursue you harder than if you are very smitten and about them and giving them all of your attention. Like, they kind of want that chase, and uh, Cassie doesn't give them that opportunity because she's so invested right away, which I respect because wear your heart on your sleeve. like That's a great quality that nobody should ever lose. But unfortunately, young 20-year-old guys take advantage of that. So we'll see what happens. Where do I see Love Island going? Um, I'm trying to think of any couples I can really see staying together. And I wanted to say Keenan and KK, like I said, but I really do think he's going to end up doing her dirty. I think he's going to at least be swayed for a little bit. Maybe he'll come crawling back to her. Um, But I don't really think any couples that are together right now are solid. I think that Hannah and Marco are going to split shortly as well. Um, Nobody seems like they're super locked in. Um, so, like I said, I hope they send in more guys, more bombshell hot guys for the women. I want to see them have options. And let's get rid of Berkey, Cassie, and Anna. Let's get rid of them. And honestly, get rid of Leo and Marco. Let's get, like, the casting this season is a no. There's a few people I like. Like, I like Destiny. I like KK. I like Carmen, I guess. I'm liking Hannah now, and, like, that's pretty much where it stops. I like Jasmine. Like, the guys I could all do without. I don't like this season's casting job, but I'm still going to watch it, and I'm still going to recap it. Let me know what you all are thinking. Let me know who can, ju- who can go from the show. Like, who can they send home from Love Island? Who was a bad casting decision? Who is going to leave with, like, a potential match? Who's going to win? Let me know what everybody thinks. In the comments or send me a message let's get into the bachelorette it's monday so we have a new episode tonight and last week was the first episode that we are back at 8 p.m back at 8 p.m back at 8 p.m we're back at 8 p.m yeah you guys get a song because we're back at 8 p.m and I, that means i get to go to bed at 10 a normal time thank you And as I said in the beginning of this, I've been disappointed since day one when they gave Charity a shorter season, later time slot, from the get. I was a bad promotion. Like the CGI that they used for Charity's promotion with the roses was just lackluster. So I was already pissed off before the season started. So thank you for, I guess, doing the right thing with only three weeks left of the show and letting us watch it at 8 p.m., So you get like two snaps for that, Bachelor. We're back at 8 p.m., as I said, and we are already about to see hometowns. Like tonight, July 31st, Monday, is the night that we see hometown dates. And let's just get into who's left, because that's what's important. So Xavier is still here, the knitting king, thank God. He knits, he keeps quiet, he talks to people even when they're the problems of the house and just kind of hears them out. He's always laughing. He's affirmative with compliments, which I love. He's studying medicine just to learn about the illness that his mom has. And he knows no bounds, um, like no separation with love. Xavier, thank God you're here because from day one, I was hoping that you would stay in the game. He also has... Such a cute little gap between his teeth, and I hope he never, ever changes his teeth because it's very attractive. I think he's very good looking. I think they make a great match. Do I think that he's everything Charity needs? Yes, but no. He doesn't make Charity, in my opinion, as of now, what I've seen. I don't think Charity feels safe enough with him because he reminds her of her ex, and while that's a projection, it's still valid. You know, like me and my friends say, you could see someone's, you know, butt crack or sneeze in the beginning before you know them and decide that's enough to not want to pursue a relationship. So being reminded of your ex, it projecting, it's valid. Um, so, and she doesn't have enough time to really discern about him. So something in her gut being kind of off. I love him. I think he's great. Savior for Bachelor, please But I don't think he's going to win. I can't wait to see his family, see the positive marriage between his parents, because as he said, his father takes care of his mother, who is sick um, and is the primary caretaker. And that's going to be a beautiful relationship to see um, and just understand more of him. So, that could be enough actually to make Charity understand him and let go of those projections and those qualms. And he could be endgame. But my gut is telling me right now that it's probably Doton or Joey, who are both still here. So, let's talk about Joey. Joey's hometowns are going to be all the way in Hawaii, which shout out to Charity for getting to go on kind of like a nice little vacay. She never got to leave international or do any international traveling this season. So the least they can do is let her go to Hawaii and see something. So she's going to see Joey's hometown in Hawaii. He has two dads. This will be, I think one of the first times on bachelor that we get to see a gay relationship, gay, gay dads um, at the hometowns. So I'm excited for this. Um, I don't know how much chemistry I see between Charity and Joey. I think that Joey is not there with the education that he should have to date or marry a black woman. I think that he needs to become more educated um, and knowledgeable about the experiences that Black women go through and just the real history of the United States of America before he gets into a relationship and needs his partner to explain it to him. His reaction at dinner, while Joey said nice things to Charity when she asked him how he feels about a interracial relationship, and how, um, and basically how he feels about doing the education and doing the work to understand her experiences because her past partner did not. And his ignorance ultimately was a disservice to honoring her feelings and her actual experience of what she was going through. And while Joey said that he was willing to learn, Not having any understanding and needing to learn so much to me tells me that this would be a problem for charity later on. I think Joey is a nice guy, but I just don't think that he's there. I don't think he understands her struggles enough. I don't think that he can be a proper ally and speak up for charity in all the situations that he may have to nor understand the gravity of situations that he may put her in without being more just open and having experienced it before so I'm not saying that I think Joey should have only dated black women before but I, I just don't think that end game This would not be a repeat of something that charity's gone through. So I'm excited to see his hometowns. I think Joey's a nice guy, but I don't think he's there. I have my reservations about him. I didn't like his answer um, when he talked about how if his parents, how his parents like look on the inside when they meet someone, and if his parents don't like charity, then does they're crazy? You know, all of that to me isn't needed. You know, like you don't need to say they'll look on the inside. To me, that's that's a little bit like racially motivated. Like, why can you not just say they'll love you? I know they're going to love you. The fact that he had to take it inside and talk about who charity is internally and avoid her outer appearance was a little bit of a red flag to me. So that's my take. You know, I know that that my perception is that of a white woman, but that's how I felt. I feel like I am educated. I feel like I do the work and have done sufficient work to understand that that response for me was a little bit of a red flag, and I don't think he's there. Let's talk about Doton. Cause Doton is it. Doton's it. I think Doton is charity's match. I don't even know that much about Doton's home life because I don't know how much of it he's disclosed. But what I see when they're together and the fact that he got two back-to-back one-on-one dates, they make each other feel so comfortable and so willing to try new experiences. And early on in a relationship, especially if you see it going somewhere, this is a big deal. Like, Charity's at the stage of her life where she's hoping to find a husband to experience life with and, you know, go through life with. And doton allows her to be herself and, you know, have some reservations, but doesn't pressure her to do things she doesn't want to do, doesn't belittle her, very affirmative. And they just kind of conquer things together. So, uh, I haven't seen one red flag from Doton in as far as how he treats charity. He's very respectful. He's never seemed jealous, whereas at moments, um, I think it was Aaron B. Maybe it was Aaron S. There's two Aarons this season. So the Aaron that just went home, at times, he seemed jealous. Sean, too. You know, like, just a little bit too possessive. Brendan, as well. Like, this is my date. Like, I don't want to watch charity with other men. Or even just questioning her intentions and where she's at because of who she selected for romantic connections, who she kisses, etc. I don't like that. That's not Doton. No jealousy, none of that in him. I think that's her final three. Is there four? Let me look it up really quick. Oh wow, excuse me. Erin is still here. Okay, Erin is still here, and I want to like Erin. Like I said, um, he is a little bit jealous sometimes, but I want to like him. I want to take that as he's passionate. I don't know. We know that Aaron really wanted a date in New Orleans this season, and he didn't get one. He was super disappointed that in his own like city where he was living right now that he couldn't take charity around so we'll see if they fly him right back to new orleans for his date his hometown dates or if this is in another state but i'm pretty happy with her final four um aaron and joey kind of eh about i definitely feel better about xavier and doton from my personal preference now is there word on the street that charity might pick doton or joey I've heard some rumors of that um, from obviously just people gossiping about things they hear through either Reality Steve or other reality accounts, whatever's out there. I don't keep up with spoilers. I don't want to know them. I'm not going to spoil it for you guys and tell you indefinitely who gets picked because I don't know, but that's who I'm thinking Charity's leaning towards. I'm excited for tonight's episode and... (laughs) I'm excited, I guess, for charity that we're almost at the end. I can't believe that it's here already, but it really seems like they want to get Bachelor in Paradise started. Um, We'll leave it at that. I want to talk about at the end of this, so reality shows are recapped. I feel like I've caught you all up. I want to talk about at the end just a couple of experiences that I've had lately and just provide some encouragement. So most of my listeners are women. Shout out to women. I love you guys. Shout out to women. Shout out to men for listening to if you're if you're a man listening to this, what I'm about to say is important, so don't turn me off. Lately I've had experiences and if you're a man and you're in, you know, a hetero straight relationship and you think of your girlfriend right now, think of your wife, whatever. I've had two experiences lately where I feel in one experience, in both experiences, actually, like I should have spoken up more, and I'm lucky I spoke up at all because women are so conditioned from the time we are young to be respectful and polite and to rarely ever make somebody feel uncomfortable. If you roll your eyes, if you don't understand what I'm saying, Just listen to me that as a woman, you are conditioned, as you since you are a child, to not ever say something unkind, don't say something if it's not nice, don't hurt their feelings, don't ask questions about this. As little girls, especially, you are not allowed to make somebody feel bad about themselves. If an adult tells you something, you are not allowed to be disrespectful. I heard. Kids are seen and not heard growing up in church from other people who would say that to me. It's something that is ingrained in girls. You take that to adulthood and you have women who who feel conflicted, even when their own safety is at risk for speaking up for themselves. So let's start with my experience um, at my doctor's office where I have health anxiety, you know, I've been going so so that I can figure out what's going on with my migraines. And for the most part, I have a good doctor, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that he's a bad doctor, but I was offered, you know, a shot for my migraines, um, you know, to help them and the inflammation and it go down so that I can have less migraines. And because I had never heard of the shot, I said, I don't want to do it today. I want to go home and read about it. And he was like, "Okay, no problem. So that's fine. I was let out of that situation. But it was such a fast interaction of lay down. I'm going to do this shot. It's going to help you. And then, you know, you, I don't know if my insurance covers it. I don't know what this shot is. I don't know what the side effects are. It's not being told to me. I'm being expected to not ask questions. Just kind of like lay down, lift up your shirt, going to give you the shot real quick, send you on your way. It was a quick five-minute appointment. And then I look up the shot, you know, once I get home and read more about it. And it's not FDA approved. It's kind of like... um. For experimental reasons, sort of. Um, And it's just not something that I would have wanted in my body. I would have freaked out if it was in my body. Some of the ingredients contain mercury. It's just like it reminded me of when I was a teenager and an adolescent, and you go to your doctor, and it's not the first time that I've had a doctor either make terrible health suggestions, whether it's when I was heavy tell me that i have to lo- run 7 miles a day in order to ever lose weight and i could never do it on my own to say that to somebody and put that amount of pressure on them and like discouraging thoughts doctors hold a lot of power they're in a position where they know more than you because of schooling where they have more authority than you they have a license you just trust your doctor they take an oath you want to assume the best and Had I not even just taken a second and had I just felt bad for telling my doctor, you know, and I did feel bad, that's why I'm saying this, I felt bad saying him, I don't want to do this today, I want to read about it, write this shot name down, had I given into that feeling and suppressed myself, I would have ended up with a shot, not approved, could have made it worse, definitely would have made me resent him as my physician, and has mercury in it, you know, so speak up for yourself don't let comf- like don't let being nice and being quiet and being polite keep you from saying things remind your friends and your girlfriends and wives and whoever your partners remind your family to speak up for themselves when their boundaries are being encroached or even if they aren't sure of something because not speaking up for yourself in a split second could be detrimental to your health or just a decision that you didn't really want to make. You could be pressured into making a decision that you intensely regret. So going to the doctor is a real experience that you can have anxiety from. Having bad advice from health professionals is an experience you can have trauma from. I'm not going to get into it any further, but that's my first experience about speaking up. And my second happened right before I recorded today. And essentially, long story short, I'm at the supermarket and I already, you know, dread things like this. I dread it because I try to look honestly, as unpresentable as possible in public anyways, because I don't want to be approached and I don't want to be talked to. And I have a face, always have, that looks like you should talk to me and it looks like I'm kind. So I have to go out of my way to look unpresentable sometimes and to not be approached. So I did that and I'm at the supermarket and I am approached by an older man and he's tall and heavier and... You know, I'm just checking out and he's very close to me at the checkout stand with presumably either his wife or sister. I'm not sure. And he's like, what's your name? Where are you from? What college did you go to? What where what are your hobbies? Like, what do you do during the week? What can you be doing during the week? What would you say your name was? What, What state did you grow up in? No, what neighborhood? Because at this point, I'm lying. I'm not answering half of these questions, mind you, okay? Half of these questions I'm not answering. The cashier is looking at him like, what the fuck? Um, His wife or whomever is looking at him awkwardly, but, like, backing up to, like, I have no idea, respect him being weird and overstepping his boundaries. But um, just all of these questions rapid fire – at me as I'm trying to check out. And at first you try to be polite because at first he was like, Teresa, Teresa, yelling from across and pointing at me. And I'm like, that's not me. And then he comes up to me and he's like, you know, what's your name? And I'm like, I was going to edit that out, but to be honest, no, like that's what happened to my brain. Like just do I lie? Do I say the truth? I usually introduce myself. I don't want to be a bitch. What if somebody knows this isn't my name? So you just say Leah, okay? And then where do you where do you work? What's your job? What are you doing? What are your hobbies? I'm not answering any of these. The hobbies, I said, I read. Where did you go to college? Where did you grow up? At this point, I'm starting to lie. I'm like, Boston. He's like, Boston? Really? What neighborhood? I'm. I go to Boston all the time. And then at the very end of this exchange, can I take your picture? Can I take a picture of you? Okay, well, then can I take a picture with you? And... I want to give space for the fact, and I want to be careful when I say this, that I never want to intentionally hurt people's feelings because I don't know what anybody's experiences is. I, I don't know if someone is able-bodied. I don't know if somebody um, potentially has anxiety and this is how they act in social settings. I don't want to speak to someone's emotional or mental state When talking about behaviors, what I do want to talk about is how uncomfortable it is to ask any young woman this in a public area where someone can overhear the answers, number one, and number two, to ask any young woman this when you don't know them. It was clear I did not know him. I said, that's not my name. I don't know you. And this still proceeded after all of that. The cashier doesn't say anything as she's looking at me and making eye contact visibly, very uncomfortable. The wife or sister doesn't say anything, backing up, looking very uncomfortable, doesn't even say anything as I'm being asked to have a photograph. And I leave this experience just shaken up, run to my car, I obviously get out of there, before they can leave the store and know what vehicle I'm in or what my license plate is or where I'm leaving. But people need to do better. And this is the East Coast. So I respect the fact that people mind their business, but people don't do that everywhere. Okay. And you shouldn't mind your business in public when it seem when there's, when there is an altercation happening around you that's like a there's there's somebody's life at stake or there's a safety risk um i i've never felt more uncomfortable in a situation in the last few years i have had worse situations happen unfortunately but For men, if you're listening to this and your boyfriend either, like, doesn't believe you when you say it's uncomfortable to leave the house, or if he does and this is just like, babe, listen to this, or if you have already felt uncomfortable about something and a friend has told you, just know that you're not alone. These experiences happen all of the time. They are unsettling. They are... um, traumatic because of what you know about the world and how you know things could go and it's unfair that as a woman you're so conditioned to not say anything had this been happening to a man and another man said this to him maybe he would have said what the fuck i don't know you don't fucking talk to me but if you're listening to this as a woman and you can ever think of a time where you have been in an uncomfortable position because you don't want to be rude please send me a message because I would do a whole episode about this and I would love to compile stories. If you're listening to this and you've ever been uncomfortable and whether it's a doctor or a teacher or a colleague or just a random altercation, like I just said, you know, I would love to share experiences. I would love to do an episode about what it feels like to be a woman and just kind of have that relatability because we have to stand together. We have to stand strong. We have to remind our partners and the people that we come in contact with and the men that we hang out with that this happens and to be advocates and to be allies and to care about our safety the world caters to men we care about men's safety we care about men i care about men so much that i didn't just turn around and say what the fuck are you saying to me to to either man my doctor nor him you know like so women care about men's feelings and this is not an all men thing this is just There are men out there who make women very uncomfortable. And if more men who don't make women uncomfortable called them out for it, it would be good. I'm lucky that I have a great partner who would have said something and does, you know, keep my safety in mind. But just a reminder to speak up for yourselves because we have to. If you're ever worried about causing a scene or something, just don't be, because we're conditioned this way and we have to try to train ourselves to not be this way. And sometimes that's doing things uncomfortable. In the future, I will say something even more assertive than I had before. I will say, do not ask me questions. I do not know you. I will say, this is inappropriate. Today, I couldn't do that. You know, so I'm speaking up for other people who can't do that. Um, we always think back on how we wish we would have said things. And my friend Bree, shout out Bree, Brie the Black Sheep, her podcast, she said that, you know, you'll never look back at a situation and feel bad when someone, when your safety is at risk for for saying something, you'll always look back and be upset with yourself for not saying something and that's so true because I would rather say something and be an asshole when I know that what I was feeling was not correct or not right and making me uncomfortable um than holding it in just to be nice and potentially have my life at stake so passing that advice along for anybody who needs a good book set boundaries find peace by Nedra Glover Tawwab I'm still getting through this book. For anyone who takes a long time to get through books, I'm right there with you. If it's like a thriller, like Tell Me Lies, Too Good to Be True, some sort of mystery, I can get through it like that. If it's a book that really I have to take time to absorb and look at my life and you know think on, it takes me a while. But this book is really worth it. 10 out of 10 recommend. It's been really resonating with me lately. I'm starting a book club, Positively Uncensored Podcast Book Club, Pups. Let's go, baby. This book club starts in September. The first book that we're going to talk about is a reality slash women's health crossover. We're gonna talk about Married to Medicine, Dr. Jackie's book. It's something, I think it might be called The Big V. It's on Amazon, 50% off right now. Order it, get the hardcover, get whatever you can get. That's the cheapest one. I think hardcover is the one that's 50% off right now, which, hell yeah, love a hardcover book. Get your book, keep it, and know that more books are going to be on the book club. We're going to discuss them. I'm going to talk about it on the podcast. We're going to communicate together. I would love to have someone who's a part of the book club on my podcast to talk about the books. Um would love to have Dr. Jackie on to talk about her book. We'll manifest and pray for that, but get the book, get ready for book club, stay tuned, make sure you're checking out my TikTok. I'm always posting on there. So even when I'm not posting on Instagram, I'm likely posting some sort of recap, some sort of thoughts on TikTok. I've been getting myself back out there for a while. I was just so fatigued. With the multiple social channels, but with Twitter switching to X, I'm about to get off Twitter and have one less thing. So, Instagram and TikTok, I think I can manage the two of those together. No big deal. I want to start streaming soon. I want to. I want to. I've gathered tons of old reality shows like in my Amazon. So, If you're listening to this, on top of everything I've asked you to send me, send me a text with old reality shows that you love, that you'd love to group watch so that I can start prepping for these live streams because I want to watch stuff with you all and comment on them together. Love you. Thank you for listening to this episode. As always, give me a rating if you love the podcast. It takes two seconds. Log into Spotify, Give me a rating. Give me five stars. It takes two seconds on Apple as well. You can leave some stars or you can leave a quick review, how much you love the podcast, what your favorite parts are, who you want on the podcast, anything. Love staying in contact with you all. I'm grateful for all of your support, for listening to my episodes, for just waiting on them to come out. And I hope you all have the best week. Bye.